podcaster. I hardly know her. Am I right? Oh, hi. My name is Megan. I'm a busy mom of four young kids, a comedian, an improv trainer, and an award-winning author. This podcast is essentially the vessel I use to verbally process all types of topics and experiences. I love sharing stories, ideas, and considering new alternatives to things I have yet to learn and apply to my own life. All of this in effort to help create happier, healthier human connections through humor. Welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. National Adoption Month continues here through November, and this episode dives into resources for all sides of the triad. What does that mean for the people who are in need of placing their child for adoption? That's the birth parents. Those parents who are looking to adopt a child, those are the adoptive parents. And the adoptee, the child who is being chosen for adoption by the adoptive parents and placed by the birth parents. Got it? Great. Uh, Terminology can be challenging when there's a lot of different uh, things going on and how to manage the process, how to negotiate it, all of the feelings and the complexities um, can be a little overwhelming and having resources and people to help sort through that from start to through the process and beyond is super important. So my guest today works with a new beginning adoption agency based out of Boise, Idaho, specifically in the infant adoption program, uh, yet has a huge um, scope of knowledge around what types of resources are are relevant and needed, how can people get involved, and what success looks like when it all comes together. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Kara Walsh from A New Beginning Adoption Agency regarding resources for adoption. Kara, I am so interested in hearing what drew you to the space of social work and adoption specifically. Mm. How did you get to where you are now? Well, it wasn't one day I woke up and said, I want to be a social worker. It was like a chain of events. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher until I started going to a classroom and thought, "Mm, that might not be for me every day. I love teachers, but it just didn't feel like it was feeling uh, what I would want to do the rest of my life. And so I changed directions in college and, and someone said, social work opens up a field to work with all different types of people. I love that aspect about it. And um, worked many, many years working with uh, p- persons with disabilities. And uh, my best friend one day called me and said, my wife, um, we've, we've been selected, we've been matched. This is before I was even doing adoption work. And uh, can you take her to this meeting? I'm out of town on business and we've been matched. She's got to go to this mandatory meeting for adoptive parents. And so I, I picked her up and, and we stopped three times on Fairview Avenue as she was throwing up. And I thought, wow, like this is, a, this is really serious. And so I get to the meeting. I don't remember what the meeting was about, but all I remember is feeling in that room, wow, the magnitude of someone wanting to have a baby that could not and how that just affected their life. And fast forward many years, a good friend of mine called me up one day and said, there's this agency in town and they're looking for someone uh, part-time to start with. And I think you'd be a good fit. And that led me to a new beginning. And here I am uh, 15 plus years later uh, working in adoption. So that's my story or journey to adoption. 
That is so cool. And what is, what, what is your area of specialty right now and how much does that encompass? Um, yeah, I've done all aspects of adoption, but currently I um, oversee our infant department team. And I primarily, when I'm providing a direct service to someone, it's biological parents. So uh, birth mug pregnant women that are considering all their options. And then those that choose adoption, actually helping them make a plan. And that could include anybody as a birth mother, of course, birth father, birth grandparents, anybody that's connected to that woman um, and providing a service to. Mm, cool. Um, one of the things I love about the agency, which um, I've been on the board now, I don't even remember, several years now. Um, but what I've really enjoyed is learning about how... Um, how meticulous the care is for each different side of the adoption triad and how much of a component of like the foster programs. And there's just so many more things, different layers that I don't think people probably commonly think of, especially if they're not um, really ingrained in the adoption world. Uh, but one of the things that has always stood out to me is how supportive the environment is, how aware the team is of what those needs are and how to make something that is such a sensitive, difficult subject be as supported and positive as possible. Um, talk to me a little bit about like what, what kind of support needs to happen? When, when does it start? How, do, how long does it last? Like talk to me about resources for support. Yeah, um, I love how you use the word the adoption triad because um... You know, a, a triangle is three sides, right? And you take one side away, it's not equal, meaning that as members of the triad, there's the adoptee, uh, needs of an adoptee, needs of adoptive family, and needs of birth family. And we're all equal. And so I think that's just kind of our philosophy is everyone has their own individual needs and we all are equal in the process. Our journeys will be different, our processes will be different, but our needs are valued. Um, and those need to be recognized and, and supported. So there's needs for, for all members of the triad. I think that if you are adopting, you have a need. If you are looking to place a child for adoption, you have a need. And as an adopted child, there are needs throughout your life of understanding your journey, understanding what it means to be adopted. So um, there are so much support for all members of that triad um, through various different things. So for adoptees, I think it's, it's as they grow up through uh, through their life is how do I talk to someone about how do I how do I talk about being adopted what does adopted mean how does that make me different or unique I, um, and helping then adoptive parents have those hard conversations um, and creating a forum of openness dialogue for an adopted child and so we work with adoptive parents to say when your child is this age. Um, this is what how they recognize what adopted adoption means right. Um, mm -hmm. And so then working with adoptive parents um, in how to communicate that, like for a new beginning, we have so much um, after placement support, meaning that we have a group called You Are Not Alone. And it's just for adopted kids to know that I am not alone and mm -hmm. adoption makes me unique, but, but I think uniqueness is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are types of things that we would have for, um, for adoptees. I know nationally, there's all these blogs and different organizations that support adopted. Uh, kids in lots of different platforms. I think for adopted parents coming, um, mostly for families that are coming to adopt an infant, there's infertility. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe adoption wasn't their plan A, um, but through that journey of uh, knowing that, I think it, it 
I see families say, man, this is really what we were meant to be. So it's helping adoptive parents through the grief and loss of, of saying, I want to, I want a parent, but I might not be able to do that through the traditional way. And what mm. does that look like? And what does that change for me? And, and how do I grieve the loss of maybe having a biological child or a child that might look like me? And mm. so working with them on grief and loss, um, and then being hopeful about growing their family through adoption. I think for birth parents that, uh, man, the supports I think are endless. Um, uh, counseling support, uh, mentorship. Um, I know you've been a mentor to a lot of women that have, are considering it, uh, placing a child for adoption or who have done that. Uh, you know, there's so many organizations like Brave Love uh, mm -hmm. is an amazing organization that helps uh, create education for, for birth mothers. Um, we do a lot of local things, uh, case management. I think what's so cool about it is that when you take a woman in crisis for an unplanned, unexpected pregnancy, it's like, what are their basic needs? Let's start there first. Mm. And then let's talk about options, counseling. What's the best option for me? Um, you know, when a woman has an unplanned, unexpected pregnancy, there's three options for them. And mm. so helping them identify what is what's best for their life now, five years and in the future. And so just wrapping around services for mm. them and whatever their individual need is. So um needs are important. We need to recognize what those needs are and then just work towards helping provide the supports for those needs. How willing are people to utilize the support or do you mm. get resistance from people who think they don't need it or they don't want it? They don't want to keep talking about it. They just want to move on. Like, yeah, for what sure. What type of resistance do you get? Yeah, I think it's so hard to like look in the mirror and look back at yourself and say, man, I really need help. That's really, really hard thing to do. And I think we live in a society where we have to put on this front of, of bravery or uh, maybe this sense of um, I am strong. And I think that um, saying you need help is a strong is a sign of strength. And I mm -hmm. think as a society, we, we've failed a little bit in that for for people. And so it is hard and there definitely is resistance. But but I think it's being able to say. We don't want this experience to affect you long term. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that you heal in whatever way that is for you so that you can have, you can take this situation and create um, a person more of empowerment, of confidence, whatever, whatever that is for you. And so, yeah, there's resistance, but I feel like once we break down those walls a little bit and we just treat people as people, um, yeah. I think what's so important, I always have said this is like, people don't want to, they don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. And I mm. think that when you get that with a person, I think they're like, man, I, told, I trust you, totally help me. And it breaks down those walls. Um, and then we can just dive in and have fun with what they need to help them be, just be better individuals um, in their circumstances. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I'm enjoying about kind of some societal shifts in general is that people are speaking out a lot more about what is challenging for them. And I think for me, it was actually kind of challenging as a birth mother to to, um, I was afraid to talk about it because I thought people would think I regretted my choice or that I hadn't healed or whatever, which turns out I hadn't because my, you know, my circumstance was kind of 20, 20 some years ago now, almost 20, no, 22 years ago. And, um, even back then things were a little more hush hush. There wasn't as much with like open adoption and having the really collaborative experience between, um, all the parties involved. Um, but I think it's just been an interesting journey to see that, yeah, people are speaking up in in different ways. And I think that that is kind of also helping to show that it's okay, it is okay to ask. And really, I believe the same thing that you just said. It, 
does show strength to go, oh, you know what? There's something that could be addressed here. And we don't have to carry around Mm -hmm. these things as a painful burden. They can be part of a part of our story as a positive thing and certainly um, healthier balance between everyone involved. Um, Yeah. What do you... Oh man, there's like so many things because I, <laughs> I just feel like it's such a sensitive topic. And I didn't even realize when I started to step into the, the adoption advocacy space, how much negativity there actually yeah. still is, how much kind of control sometimes happens too, if either people feel like they're not empowered to make their own decisions. And some of the, th- the things I've learned from the adoptive parents of like, they're really waiting sometimes for of a not good situation to happen to one person in order for them to have a family. I mean, there's a lot of complex feelings. Um, I was surprised to see how much negativity and closed-mindedness still exists around adoption. Can you talk to us a little bit about what, what you guys experience with that, how you perceive that, how we can kind of flip the script a little bit when people do have a a little bit of a a closed mind or just like shut the door. We don't talk about this, anything in that kind of more negative space. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the adoption has made a lot of changes for the, for good and advancements. I think because, you know, uh, internet, social media has just created a a more of a free flowing platform for people to talk and share and connect Mm -hmm. with people. So I think that's been good for adoption, especially when we we've shifted historically in adoption for open adoption. And when I started, it was really like more closed and semi open. And -hmm. we just seen so much more, like, I think, you know, 90% of the women that we work with want an open adoption. And I think it's just so much more easier to connect with people because of that. And so I've seen a lot of great things change in adoption, but I also think that we've not done a good job yet, or we're hopefully getting to this point where we can change that, just the stigma of adoption and the negative um, comments that people get. Like it surprises every time I have a, a class, I had one this weekend and I say to prospective adoptive parents, tell me what things you've, you've uh, gotten from family and friends that when you've said, hey, we're going to adopt. And I, it's it shouldn't surprise me, Megan, but it really does. P- the mm-hmm. things that people are saying, and I always say that ignorance is a lack of knowledge. So yeah. what do we need to do to get the no- the right knowledge out there to, to lower that for people or people to see it more in a positive light? I think if you have one negative story that you knew from a friend or a family member, that's your only perception of adoption mm-hmm. versus opening our minds and say, well, that might be one story, but that's not how it might maybe is all the time, you know? I always say that uh, Lifetime movies has to have drama to to be popular, right? Uh, There might not be this drama here. It might be just all sweet. uh, And so it doesn't have to be this dramatic negative thing. So number one, I think it's just becoming aware of adoption sensitivity language. And we do a really good job of of, uh, talking to adoptive parents about where did the terms come from, like put up for adoption, um, you know, uh, keep the baby. Like we talk about when we say those words, what message comes across, shame, unwanted. We want to dispel those. And we talk about words that we use like unplanned or placed for adoption. And so one, it's just educating people and it's helping families be like, 
when do I do that? Is it like, you know, Aunt Betty that comes to Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, you should probably talk about her, be, about that to her because she's going to be sitting with your child at the table. Is it someone right. in the grocery store line that might make a comment because they're curious, not because they're rude or mean? Right. That's an opportunity. So I'm like, one, educate yourself if you're in the adoption community. Mm-hmm. And then be that messenger to go out and say, I have a part in this and I can make a difference. If it's just one person that I've changed that negative language to, man, I've, I've done my part. And then seeing how you can continue to do that over and over again. So I think it's awareness. I even think for birth parents, there's a lot of maybe guilt and shame in the decision. And so then when we help them process that, I feel like they're empowered to be more confident in their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel like strong and that they're doing what's best for their child. And then it automatically turns it from this negative thing to this thing of like, man, I'm going to take care of my child and this is the best option for me. So one is education and awareness, number one, and number two, it's education. And then being willing to, to look at yourself and say, okay, I know what's, what's good to say and what's not good to say and take the opportunities to educate that um, through my connections that I have or people that I come across. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What does success look like to you when you see, do you have any examples of Mm. when you see people putting in the work and making that effort to learn more and to make connections and to be more vocal about Mm. their experience? Man, we have all day, right? (laughs) There's so many I could think of because I have just been so blessed to work with women that trust uh, me or the agency to be vulnerable and uh, be at a weak point in their life. And I've seen so much growth. It it makes me almost cry because, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I I remember uh, not too long ago, we uh, helped this woman and, and she lost all her, she lost her parents. She was pretty young and and uh, we walked into this room, this labor room, and I looked at my coworker and I said, we're not there. We're not here for adoption today. We're mm-hmm. here to be with this woman because she doesn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you don't have an agenda, when you, when you take this person's life and not make it about you or not make it about the process or the policy, you get right down to the human and you're just there. And, you know, we held her leg and, and we held her hand and um, we just went right with her. And I remember mm. she was pretty closed off. Like I didn't want to hold, see the baby, you know, know the sex, all this stuff, because she had just been hurt in her life. Mm-hmm. And she had had so much trauma at very young age. And I just remember when we just sat with her and just cared about her all of a sudden now she's got an open adoption. She sees mm-hmm. her child. She held the chi- child. And, uh, and you know, and the other day she we saw her. I hadn't seen her for a couple of months. And she just said, do you realize like how important you are in my life? Not just because you helped me with, with this one thing, but you are a person in my life that will always hold value. Like I have mm-hmm. this little thing that says, when I think of Angel, I think of you twice. And it's not about me, but I think when you just break down it and just connect with people, um, you know, I have so many uh, stories of adoptees that uh, I've seen at all of our events that run to their birth parent and they feel so loved by so many people and mm-hmm. uh, adoption comes from loss and we have to know that, but how do we, how do we create the loss into something um, beautiful? And I, I think we just do that really well. 
at, mm -hmm. at our agency. I just think we do it really well. So, and that's the one that came to my mind right away, but yeah, I, I can it. tell you a lot more. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that there is a lot of, of those stories um, that must be what helped fuel you to keep going, especially when things can be really emotionally charged. Um, when people connect, there is healing and, and things sometimes that can't be explained. I think that's a perfect example of just being right there in that moment and, um, and how much that will impact all the people that she interacts with too. I always think about, sometimes it seems like maybe a small thing, but a lot of people struggle with mm -hmm. being there for someone else right in that moment, knowing how to give um, and have it not be like, it has to be a certain way. It's just letting down our guard and allowing to be present and just to, you don't even always have to say a lot. You just right. have to be there. Yeah. Um, and I do love that there's so much more openness happening. I, I know people from all sides of the triad that don't have any history on their bio, their biological family. There's a lot of unanswered questions and uneasiness. There's insecurity sometimes with that I've heard from adoptive parents who are worried that if they know too much about their birth family, they might have, you know, there's mixed feelings all over the place. And the most important thing is to talk about it. It's okay to say, ah, this makes me uncomfortable. Like maybe we can work through it. Is there any words of wisdom or perspective you can share on like, I don't know, some was, was that coming across what I'm trying to say is like when people are, maybe sometimes we withhold what we're supposed to be sharing to get the healing because we're afraid mm -hmm. we might offend someone or hurt someone else's feelings or, or not be heard ourselves and mm -hmm. find the validation that we're looking for when it's okay, really, really for everyone to be feeling a strong wave of different types of emotions and feeling not only this hard things, but the peace and joy mm -hmm. too. There's kind of a lot in that little blur there. No, I totally get what you're saying. So I use the analogy of a suitcase um, where, you know, we, we all know what a suitcase is, where we put items in and carry them. But then we have this invisible suitcase that we carry that's kind of our personal luggage um, or things that we have happened to us, uh, fears that we have, anxiousness, this, um, doubt, um, jealousy, all these things that we carry inside loss, uh, the fear of never being chosen as an adoptive parent. So there are all this stuff that in this invisible luggage that we carry that can really weigh us down. And until we begin to unpack the luggage and work through our own personal stuff, um, once we do that, and if we do it, um, then we, we open up ourselves to fill the bag with all the things that we need to have a successful adoption, where we, we, when we, when we uh, work through fear and, and uh, anxiety, we have hope, right? Like this is gonna happen for me. And I always think that open adoption, when adopted parents are very nervous about that, I think it comes from maybe the personal experiences, personal biases, and then this like loss that they've carried through that's hidden in that luggage, um, that suitcase. Mm -hmm. And so once we unpack those things, we open up ourselves for stretching. Uh, we open up ourselves for growth. When we, when we do personal work, we're there for other people in more of a way. And I think that you can see the sacrifice better when you're not just thinking of yourself. Like, oh my gosh, this woman is going to choose me with her own child. Trust me 
to be this parent, like that's a huge responsibility. So, so when you, when you work through that stuff, you can really see the sacrifice um, and you uh, are more open to the possibility because you have those feelings of hope and joy and excitement because the, the luggage isn't weighing you down anymore. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I took from that question from you. And, and I feel oh. like uh, adoption will stretch you regardless, but yeah. can you go farther? And I think you could, as long as maybe you're still a little bit out of your, in your comfort zone, but I think sometimes it's good to get out of that comfort zone because then you grow even farther and that zone gets bigger anyway. Um, but I've seen things where people have worked through stuff and they're like, wow, like I didn't imagine it to be this cool or this great, or that all the fears that I thought about openness don't really exist because I let those fears and anxiousness and insecurities go. Mm-hmm. So I could just connect with this woman that's going to trust me with raising of their child. And I'm going to honor that responsibility and honor that woman for the choice that they made. And so working through the own personal stuff will open you up for what's what's beautiful in adoption Mm, that's so so true um as we kind of bring things to an end here I'm curious what you what are you really excited about right now what are things that you're seeing or experiencing or creating that you are so excited about to help further emphasize all of these goals you have with making the adoption space a more positive world Man, um, there's a lot of things. So I think uh, creating more adoptee services, I think like our You Are Not Alone group, Mm -hmm. our support groups for adoptees, doing our peer support for adopted kids. Like I see that as the, as a new beginning has been around for a lot longer, kids are getting that we, that we helped with adoption are growing and mm. they have voices now of more of an understanding of what it means to be adopted. And so, so listening to those voices, we did like this round table, you know, like red table talk that is uh, mm-hmm. that famous. Oh, show. Yeah. We did this like round table discussion with adopted kids and we just like put the mic on and asked a question and it was just like free flowing conversation of free space. So I think that that's what we're really excited about is, is, and also with things like, you know, 23andMe and Ancestry.com, it connects people from adoptions that were closed when, when you talked about, you know, 22 years ago, Mm -hmm. we didn't talk about it. It was kind of secret. Right. And so now we've seen a little bit of a shift because people are connecting in adoptions that they had a long time ago. So I see more connection happening um, in, in adoptions that happened a long time ago and a free space for us to talk about that. Um, I also think with, with birth parents, there are more uh, platforms out like, uh, you know, support groups and, uh, and s- private social media groups that are allowing people to just have this free conversation. So I get excited about that um, because it's a way for people to share their story, um, connect with others that have similar experiences mm-hmm. um, and not have to hide this or be ashamed anymore of, of this story. So I think that's what's really neat um, that I get excited about. I think that um, you know we're looking at other ways to reach people beyond just the state of Idaho. You know We're working with mm-hmm. women all over the states now. And I think that's kind of exciting to have people, I think we do it and we do it really well. And I think why box us into one state when we can connect with women that are really needing 
more of those wraparound services. So I'm excited about stretching our borders and working with women and families all over. I think our waiting list has some, uh, we increased our out-of-state families. And I think that's kind of cool because it creates more diversity, mm -hmm. um, more different family types, I think. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when a woman is looking for a family, we want to make sure that we have all of the options that she wants for that child. And so I think opening our borders a little bit has created that more of the options that women have. So I know I probably just rambled on that, but that's what yeah, came to my great. mind. And those are some pretty cool things I think that we get excited about. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's perfect. This is exactly what what is real and true and I can feel the energy in your voice of those things and seeing how much has unfolded um, even just in the handful of years that I've kind of been on the peripheral I do I, I don't do all the you know boots on the ground and hands in the daily things and every time I hear about updates of things that are going on and just seeing the impact and knowing the impact for myself has been really positive um, it just, it excites me too, to see how much passion is there, how much you and the team really care about connecting and then really how some of those relationships stay intact so that other, other birth parents or other, um, you know, the adoptees, like people are coming back as a continual source for support for each other. And that's really what makes it beautiful mm -hmm. is seeing that, yeah, each of us are having these individualized experiences and we're still part of something bigger than us that connects us uh, to kind of, I always feel like the world, I think probably because of the fact that I have adoption in my life and I grew up with parents that were divorced and remarried and whatever different. And then I'm currently divorced. So the family unit in my own mind has always been open to really the community of the world around us and the connections that we can make that expand our family you know, quote unquote family as needed so that we can be our best self and thrive and not feel like we're doing it the wrong way because there is so many unique blends of what family even yeah, is. That's so true. Families look different today. And, and, um, but I also want to say that we couldn't do what we do without people like you that create a platform for open dialogue and open discussion and someone that has, you know, uh, been vulnerable and shared your story. Like I've handed your book to many women and they've come back with it all marked up and said, man, that sentence right there changed. Oh. So you create, um, an open forum for discussion. And so as great as you're saying we are, I'm going to toss that back to you to say as great as, uh, we can only be as good as we surround ourselves with the people in our lives. And when we surround ourselves with people that, have big have bigger voices or great platforms or connect, then we're doing it good. So I toss that back to you, Megan, because we wouldn't be sitting here today having this really good conversation if you didn't create a, a safe space for women and for adopted families to share their stories and come together. So uh, we thank you for that um, oh, thank you. big time. Thank you. And yes, I think that, yeah, it all is full circle when we when we let it. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I know the conversations could continue. I plan on them continuing. I've been pretty excited about the, the launch of my official second season of my podcast to incorporate interviews about topics that are pretty near and dear to me and adoption is, is absolutely one of them that I want to um, keep the conversation going, get some different angles. And this has been 
enlightening and inspiring and re-energizing to me just to connect with you again. So thank you, Kara, for all that you do and for have clearly having the passion um, in the industry that you're in and, and demonstrating that love and just the re reciprocity that can exist when we're all putting a little bit of effort into to have each other's backs. So thank you. This was exactly what it was supposed to be. Great. I appreciate all the listeners out there who have been tuning in. If you have any questions in the adoption world, you can actually shoot me a voice memo if you're listening on Anchor or feel free to contact me anywhere on social media. Uh, I'm very easy to track down, but I'm at Kooky Megan all over platforms. Um, and I hope that we get some additional questions so that I can loop back in the resources to keep the conversation going. So thanks again for joining me, Kara. It's been such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Megan. Thank you for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. If you'd like to stay connected to me in other ways, you can find me on most social media platforms at Megan or at my website, meganmccaleb.com. And remember, you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. <laughs>